Welcome to a special presentation of the Intermediate Line podcast. I'm your host, Chris Adams, and I will be irregularly recording conversations with some of my favorite fly tires from around the world. Sit back as we go a bit beyond face value and chat about the why and the how of some great flies. Brought to you by Nervous Water, Caterfly Apparel, and Australian-made Beats Brushes. Please enjoy the show. Welcome, folks, to a new concept. So, as you guys will know, on the Intermediate Line, we've been uh, dragging the shows out fortnightly. And I've just been speaking to my guest here, and my friend, Andy Bolch, here, and we've, uh, well... I ran the concept passing of coming on and, and doing an interim show every now and then with different guests, but I'd like Andy to be the first one uh, and just talk to fly tires and get a little bit technical in regards to fly tying from one fly tire to another. And yeah. uh, Andy has graciously accepted my offer and here he is. <laughs> here we go. Good to be back. Mate, it's great to have you back, mate, uh, as one of the uh, OGs of the intermediate line. It's sort of fitting for you to um, be starting the show, this show with us, and um, and being such a great fly tire as well. You know, um, what many people probably don't know is that, uh, well, probably a lot of people do, is that you know we're good friends and um, and we talk a lot. Um, a lot of the time, conversations we have are about fishing, but a gr- big part of those conversations is reg- in regards to fly tying. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely, mate. It's definitely one of my favourite subjects and and yours. You know, so we can bounce off each other which we regularly do we can uh solve a few problems you know, the, the, sorry mate you're right you're right which is essentially what we're doing right just solving problems that's that's pretty much what fly tying is for for a lot of people um and i guess that's, that's an interesting sub like topic to supposed to leapfrog off in that respect in that respect because one of the um interesting things that i like to talk to you about is that although you know like we, we both fish we fish together sometimes when we can uh i know you'll tie flies to fish we we differ in our approach towards fly tying somewhat um in some ways which i guess we'll expand on which seems quite ominous but um um what i mean is that you know although both of us will will look at a fly or a fishing scenario and tie a fly to solve a problem there i know that you I don't know how to word this properly because I don't want to. It's not. I don't find it um, anything other than a, something I'm not interested in, and I can respect it 100%. But I know that you'll get into the fly tying aspect of fly tying, uh, whereas I'm very pragmatic in that I'll tie flies to catch fish, and even if if fly tires haven't caught fish, I don't have a lot of respect for them. You know, I don't. I just see fly tying as to either sculpture or fishing and i don't know why anyone would be involved in the sculpture whereas you i know you like to look at flies for the for the skill of the fly tying and i can respect that as well but that's that's where we differ a bit wouldn't you say andy sometimes yeah yeah absolutely mate look i I like i can appreciate the art side of it i really enjoy trying to combine the two Mm. and i think a lot of our um clash of conversations you know not really clashing but we're our discussion topics are are based on that too, mate, is just trying to solve that problem and I'm trying to be artistic and we always get a pretty good outcome out of it and I Sometimes. guess that's what it's about, mate, sharing. 
it's not unusual for you to send me a video of someone who I know hasn't even caught a fish on their pattern, and I go, nope, and that's all my reply is. <laughs> if I get a reply. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, there's a lot. I mean, we've got a lot of people that we uh, mutually respect as fly tires uh, in that respect. So, you know, you can sort of see where the gist of this conversation is intended to go. Um, and, you know, in the future, I hope to get other fly tires on and, um, and, and talk about that. By no means are we... Um, well, you know, looking for things to do. Uh, you know, we dropped back the two weeks on the intermediate line because of workload there. So, you know, this won't be a consistent, you know, like the intermediate line every second Saturday it'll be launched. You know, this will, this might come in on a Tuesday or might come in every three weeks or something like that. I don't know. Just see how it goes. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because there's been many, many phone conversations you and I have had, Andy, where I think to myself, geez, that would make a good podcast. <laughs> they could definitely drag out, mate, but. You know, it's just a, a common interest and we both learn from it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, like that would be a good um, yeah, topic to sort of start off into, you know, like some of these uh, influential tyres, you know. Um, you know, there's, it's it's probably not a secret to some people to know that we, we started fly tying at different times um, uh, and, and fly fishing for that matter. So, I mean, we've probably got different... Um, uh, influential people when it comes to our fly tying um, approach, although a lot of them are quite similar as well. But uh, for you, mate, like who are who are some of the people that um, that you look to uh, these days? Well, it's pretty broad, really. But like, I'll chop and change through different patterns. But definitely, right at the moment, would be Bob Pop, Bob Popovic. Sorry, Popovic. Mate, um, yeah, yeah, that. That beast fly, mate, that is um, probably the hardest fly to tie for myself. Uh, it's costing a packet, that's for sure. But what about you, mate? Oh, Bob's, yeah, I'm the same. Bob, Bob's been a massive influence for, for my tie fly tying for since since I began in the late 90s. You know, it's been um, my first fly I learned to tie was was a Clouser. And, and who, and because I live in Queensland, I've never fly fishing anywhere south um but yeah like uh tuna being such a big thing of uh fly fishing when i was starting out in southeast queensland you know surf candy was a natural progression bucktail deceivers things like that i can remember going into um gavin platz's shop in, in sunshine coast here once and going are there any good fly books i didn't even own one then and um and he goes this is the only one you need and and that's what i've been telling people ever since and that was that um, he's probably right too. Eh? That, that was pop flies, yeah, the first one. And then I and like I, I got that when it first sort of came out, which I think was maybe ninety nine or um or something around that, maybe two thousand or something like that, or maybe it might even be a bit earlier. But I, I seem to think it's I could be um, I could easily stand corrected for sure for that. But yeah, he was um, um he was definitely ahead of the game too, wasn't he? Like those candies were originally made out of epoxy, right? Correct. So yeah, that's what. You know, that was, you know, before going tuna fishing the night before, we used to sit there with like a little uh, post-it note, like a little yellow post-it note and a toothpick and you'd mix up the five-minute epoxy and you'd put it on your on your vice. And, and like if you didn't have an epoxy wheel, which I didn't, I used to just spin my vice with my hand and just sit there with my, like, one hand, <laughs> elbow on the table, my hand, my chin and my palm of my hand, just spinning it, waiting for it to gel up so it didn't drip off, you know, and that's, and then, you, and that was your first coat. Then you had an Xcode. So it would gel up. It was a five-minute epoxy. It would gel up in a couple of minutes. But, um, yeah, yeah, and they were terrible. Like, you you would um, – it was really good at the time, but you would take them fishing, and if they saw the sun for the first time, 
the next time you open your box the next weekend, they'd be yellow and useless. Nothing would eat a yellow surf candy. Yeah, right. So, so just lots of yellow flies, mate. Just make them yellow. Well, they were they were um when your flies went yellow, you just went and which you don't get much chance to these days. Well, I don't, I don't have a boat for it, but just used to go and catch mackerel, you know? It's uh because mackerel don't eat the wire and they're just a good way to clean out your fly box. Uh. <laughs> so it's um yeah, it's just the way it is. But yeah, no, mate, he's um and, and that the thing that's probably like yourself, the thing that's always appealed to me with Bob is that he's got that um that pragmatic approach as well as in like you know he's he's collecting bait which i appealed to me big time when i read that and looking at the way that he's um deriving caricatures of um of bait to create flies you know it was it was amazing and and focusing on things like profile um uh, and functionality like the surf candy tying in a way so it didn't tail wrap or spin but just also had the aesthetics of a of those bait i mean we we learned pretty early on well i mean people have been fishing for tuna a lot longer than i have but when you when you get good at it or you get well become observant with it i should say which is generally when people become proficient at something um you realize that profile is everything for those tuna you know even the size of your loop knot so that surf candy really um tackled that problem because previously that was clouses you know and it was very hard to sort of match that profile with clouses but just the fact that tuna will eat a clouser goes to tell you that you you know you don't really need that um super identical aesthetics you know they'll, they'll eat they'll, they'll they'll focus on profile and the surf candy was quite good at that same with the, like you mentioned earlier with the beast you know like um imitating uh mullet, large mullet or, or or large bunker you know um i can't remember the names of the bait it gets over there for the striper fishing but having a castable fly that creates that profile was was the purpose of that that beast fly and and no other reason it's almost like an illusion that fly, isn't it? It just looks a lot bulkier than what it actually is. Yeah, yeah, it is, mate. I I agree with you what you said in regards to it being a hard fly. Hollow flies and and um, uh, even bucktail uh, um, sorry, um, bulkhead deceivers. Hollow flies in itself. There's so many variations of them these days, and I've seen people tie, you know, like coming from that interest of having pop flies back then and. And trying to follow it so stringently and, and like trying to replicate exactly what Bob did without variation. I have a little bit of a problem sometimes looking at variations of his flies, particularly when they're ornamental, like we were saying earlier, when they when they don't catch I mean they might catch fish, but if there's not a reason to improve on it, which man, how I mean it's like it's like um it's like criticizing the like the universe for creating the planet, you know. Like I mean, Bob's the creator of this pattern, and yeah, why when fix he, something that's not broken? Oh yeah, I mean, when you when you look at it, when you break it down, and you're like, the purpose of this fly is to catch fish. It's already catching fish. It's it's and the purpose of uh, of the way that he tied it as well, one of the other purposes besides catching fish, well, which was for the reason of catching fish, was to make it castable as well. So we've got. A reverse tied bucktail that that pre-stresses the material so it stands up and doesn't flatten out completely when it's when it's dragged through the water uh to give itself that profile of those large bunker type type baits uh and and mullet type baits and things like that as well um you know to, and to create that and create that illusion like you're saying of that of that mass without any bulk to make it castable and to shed the water what's there to improve on i mean you could you could you could make it with the bulkhead deceiver like he's done there you could make it push a bit more water but you know outside of that you know add a few more saddles add a few more colors 
tab eyes, jungle cock, you know. I mean, there's variations within, but there's some of the things that I see, like when it's a synthetic hollow or something like that, I'm like, we're kind of, kind of missing the point here, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's it's not really, like I said, why, why fix it if it's not broken? But, mm. um, it, it is quite a learning curve trying to tie that. I've, I've, I've got at least 15 of them on my bench here that I've tied over the last two months, and you know, it's not till you do that many that you, you just want you'll just crack it a little bit, you know, something will pop, and then you're like, right, and then you start building, and then there's another 15 on the table. Mm. I think the thing with, um, with beasts is, um, I mean, they're a bit of a nemesis for myself as well, Andy. It's uh, it's not a fly that uh, I like to tie now that I'm not commercially fly tying, but tying commercially for people was a real pain in the ass. Um, uh, I think the biggest the biggest hurdle for people is to what well to coin Bob's um, term is trust the process, you know, and to be able to, to be able to be halfway through or three quarters of the way through that fly, most people look at that and go, I don't have enough bucktail on here, you know, I've ruined it when you know you got to kind of trust the process you know like it's it it'll it, it does work out if you if you're able to observe the instructions enough to be able to use the correct a the correct bucktail and b the correct amount which is probably the hardest thing to do with beasts on aside from the the technique you know it's a really big component that's not so much a problem in other flies but it definitely is in in beast flies you know if you know what like I'm saying. Se- material selection Material selection, uh, yeah. not so much even like um, selecting the tail, like uh, you know, like grabbing a tail and going, this tail will do. But even the parts of the tail, you know, it's um of of that tail is it goes around the tail, like that it changes. Um, and then even being able to read, bucktail is so different from one another. Like and and there is a is a range in my opinion of of bucktail that suits reverse tying like that, and they and they can vary. I mean, it's a small envelope, but there's different ways that you deal with slightly stiffer stuff. There's there is the slightly softer stuff, um, you know, and everyone's got their most ideal one that they'll look for. But um, you know, there's there's ways you can you can deal with it. Some of that, some of the, I mean, the stiffer it is and the shorter it is, the more thread you got to put over that dam to be able to set set it back. But it just hangs straight there. It doesn't doesn't bend over and create that nice curve, but that everyone wants, you know. That's right. Um, there's no flow. So, so I've been. I've been actually. I started off using the midsection, like same section you would use for clouses. Yep. And I, I did one last night, and I'm I'm in the the lower half <coughs> of the tail, mate. You know, like the sections I would never really use on anything. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tend to sort of um like think of a beast fly, probably similar to how a bucktail is shaped, you know, and um and and start closer to the tip a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not one to I don't, I like to use the same length hair. Uh, because the because as you stagger the clumps further and further ahead, you shouldn't you create have to, a taper. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have to shorten the hair down anyway. So it's um, and and because you're starting so sparse, you're wanting each of those clumps to lay over the next one, which creates that volume. And if you trust the process, like we we're saying, if you get to the end of it, it's still it's still quite a lot of hair on there to to look at. Where it, which where the, where each clump is, you know, a quarter of a clouser, you know, if that, you know. Um, but yeah, heading towards the uh, the front of the fly, I want that I want that head almost be standing up close to sort of ninety degrees from the from the hook shank by the time it gets to the front, you know, which is ideal in my opinion. Which you know you're going to get you're going to get from um, that that stiffer hair, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So like like I said, I, I done one last night and I had to go at that uh, that dubbing loop for the you know the bucktail brush. Yep. 
Mate, that's that's impressive. That I just cannot believe how well the head come out on that. Yeah, yeah. See, this is this, this right. Okay, well, this is a great example of what we're talking about right here because uh, I remember us having a conversation about this, and I remember telling you that that's what some guys do, and yep. um, and that's that you know, and that's great. Seems like it's it works really well. Um, but oh, I've changed what didn't need to be fixed, right? <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I funny thing is, I I I can understand it and I can agree with it. And I and I'm not trying to sound like a fly Nazi in regards to this. I just just I don't know. It's um I think I think it's really hard to do it with without the dubbing loop, I think. And um and when I see dudes like um probably my my next most influential fly talk for me who's not around anymore is uh, Andrew Warshaw, Andrew's custom flies. Like when you see that dude probably ties Bob Popovich's flies better than Bob Popovich, you know? Yeah, but, man, uh, I remember him, he was awesome. Yeah. He's uh he was awesome, man. He's really cool, really approachable dude as well, and all that sort of stuff. So I pestered the hell out of him when I first got on Instagram. I was I was a, must have been so annoying to that dude. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, and he never really. I mean, like a, like a like a good fisherman, sort of giving let, letting people know stuff. You know, it wasn't it wasn't do this or be here at this time sort of thing. It was more giving you way, giving you direction on how to think about the approach for yourself because like fishing. You know, like there's a lot of variety in in spots and conditions and times of year. There's a lot of variety in in the bucktail as well. So I mean, you can't take the same approach every time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which what is which is what makes it such a difficult fly, wouldn't you say? Oh, mate, the the material selection is by far the hardest. And like I said, you'll tie 15 before you start figuring out what's the best part for you. Like everyone's going to tie a little bit differently, of course, but. Hmm. Um. Yeah, man, that's a massive part. I get asked a lot, like when when people buy bucktail off me, they'll say I want a I want a tail for hollows or um you know generally hollows or something. Like that. Or they'll say I want a tail for hollows and deceivers. My reply is generally that's that's two different tails. Um, you know, it's it's you know it's 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 really hard to if you don't. Ha- I would really like to take people's money, but it's really hard to sort of. You know, I gotta explain. I don't have anything. I don't have anything that's suitable for hollows at the moment, dude. You know, like because I know how hard that stuff is to tie. You know, it's um, and that's it's a really... good option for people too, mate. Like I do that to you a lot, and you know, same as with your dyeing as well. That sort of fits into that category. But having someone there hand selecting your materials for the fly of purpose, mate, that's um, that's priceless on its own. There's, it's actually a bit, you know, it, it's it's a bit nerve wracking when someone's like, yeah, I want to, I want to tail, like, I want to tail, because I've given people their money back. They'll go to the website, they'll buy it, and in the notes they'll say, I'll have a tail for beasts or, or hollows. I'm, I, I don't have it, man. I, you can get something else, or I can refund your money, or, um, or just grab a tail, knowing full well that you know I'll do my best, but it's not what I'd use, you know. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm quite the bucktail nerd, and and that all stems from that book and 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 the and all that sort of stuff. It's um, for all, many years, like you know, tying with get having that book, and for many years, I, I had no access to uh, nothing but commercial tails, you know, which I've mentioned on the on the intermediate line a few times, and I've mentioned the brand, you know, and, and that did cause a bit of ruckus, but you know, I don't really want to, you know, no one no one sat in their deathbed. You know, saying to themselves, "I wish I argued more on social media." So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna refrain from mentioning brands there. Uh, people can figure it out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. You know, it, the fact of the matter is that you know, like there wasn't, there wasn't. It was such a lucky dip to try and find a tail, and I'd, I'd find myself 
not like looking at pictures of Bob Popovich's Popovich's flyers. Um, you know, forums were starting to happen, so I could see stripers online and things like that. And I'm like, why am I hollows not looking like the ones in the book? All the ones I can see online, like I'm starting to, you know, there was no, not really, it wasn't really popular in Australia. I was sort of persisting. There was, there was people tying them, but there was just no, no direction. I suppose there was no one. There was no, there was no Instagram or like that. It was very rare to find. When you did see someone who tied them really well, you're like, my fly looks nothing like that. Yeah, and I, yeah. And I, you're just the whole wow factor. I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the thing is, like, you know, it was very easy to like go back and blame your technique. Like you're looking at the book and you're like, well, he says to run it under cold water and just let it sit there. And I'd be like, this one for sure. And then I, um, I'd wake up in the morning and the thing looks like it's just sprung out like it's been electrocuted. You know? <laughs> yeah, man, that's <laughs> happened to me. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, God damn it, man, that thing took me an hour. You know, and well, like sometimes my... you got it underwater and you can <laughs> see the little hollow sections happening. You're like, this one's not going to work, and then you wake up and it worked. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like it, it to me, it really come down to the the tails. Like it wasn't until, um, you know, I started to talk to some friends in the United States through the power of social media and. And you're talking about the tails that you get, and they're like, that, that, "That's rubbish, man! Like, why? Why would you try and look? I'll send you some, you know." And they send you some, and you're like, "Holy shit, man! This is, this is, this is like a whole new product, and it's working, you know." Like, yeah, you turn out that you, you were reasonable at it the whole time, you know, just through persisting with the shit stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. like so America's this, just keeping the best stuff. Oh, people have said that. <laughs> Man, people have said that for as long as I've been fight tying A. Like in Australia, we get the scraps, you know. And uh, look, it I don't it, it could easily get into a political thing with this like, within the industry, I suppose. But I mean, I guess that's what happens when you got one one supplier supplying the whole country for such a long time. But this day and age, we've got a lot of options now, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's yeah, but um. Yeah, look, man, it's uh, it's it's yeah. There's a lot of that's the good thing about social media for sure for fly tying, you know. But we, this is like we said in the beginning, this is where we differ. I'm so strict to like follow the beef, as we've mentioned on the podcast plenty of times, you know. For you, I've noticed it doesn't really matter so much. You can just appreciate the skill involved in the fly tying. I can't, I just can't devote any time to it myself. <laughs> I really, I really can't. I can, I can look at it and go, yeah, I can, I can see there's a lot of work that's gone into that, but. Look, um, uh, there's a there's a fly tie that I got I got a lot I I do have a lot of respect for. I do it's very innovative and stuff like that. But, um, and you're a big fan of of Gunnar Brammer and um and like mate, the guy's a lovely guy. Seems pretty nice, all that stuff. But I, I the thing that I hang up with is like, man, that looks really cool. But I'd really like to see a fish caught on it. You know, like I'd like to see what it's like to be you know having having cast it out for a few times and. Uh, put it in a real situation and just, you know, like I just think that um, I mean I, I'm trying to word this in a way because I'm I'm really not a hater of the dude at all at all I'm really not. It just seems to be the disappointing thing is it just seems to be missing where you got such a good fly tire who could be great if you like look you look at Bob Bob designs these flies he doesn't doesn't keep reinventing something he doesn't keep putting them out and and changing it putting shanks or trebles and stuff on it everywhere or or a different hook. He just gets it done. He go catches the fish and says, "This is what I caught on it. Would you like to know how I've done it?" That's a different way to go about it. Gunner sort of goes like, "This is my fly innovation. I, you go fish it and tell me how it goes, sort of thing." Because he's not catching fish on it, you know. And yeah. um, and 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 that's that's where that's the limit of my criticism, I suppose, in, in that way, you know. It's, um, but it'd just be really good to see him catch fish 
on these flies, you know, or yeah, there was, there, I had an idea. I think I mentioned this on the podcast once and I wouldn't do it cause you'd get lynched as much as you'd, you'd do it in a positive, in a, for a positive intention to, to have people pointed in the right direction. Could you imagine if there was a Facebook page or, or some sort of social media page or a forum or something where you invited people to show off their innovative flies and you said to them, the rules for posting here is I want you to post up your picture of your fly. But before you do that, you know, have have um, have a prepared statement there where you're explaining why this fly is different to what's already out there, because a lot of pat- new patterns now are derived from something else. So what's it what what's separating that from the original and what's the reason for it? What problem are you trying to solve there? And then also before you post it, post up five fish caught on that single fly. So we've got a fly that shows innovation, a reason for it, and fish that's caught on it. I reckon that'd probably be the smallest forum or Facebook page. Yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. I, was trying, <laughs> I was trying to add to that without being negative. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. could you imagine the, the, the haters that would just come out of the woodwork? Oh, you just, you'd been elitist, you'd been this. And, oh, but it just comes, Chris Adams. Yeah. <laughs> it just comes back down to like, in my mind, and this is why I haven't done it because this is my uh, my personal opinion. Plus, I you know again, who lays on their deathbed thinking they should have argued more? But um, <laughs> uh, I just would like to see the sport um, go further, you know, and um, and yeah. and and see fly tying innovate with this with the sport, with the gear, without getting clouded with sculpture, for lack of a better term. Do you know You've what I mean? Got- You've got fly tying's best interest at heart. I've got fly fishing's best interest at heart. And tying. Well, tying's part of fly fishing, you know. And yeah. if it's not to do well, fly, not to do with fly fishing, well, it's not. It's probably the most important part, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. You know, well, how how do you mean? Well, you can't do without it, and you've Correct. really got to match the hatch through problem solving. So, yeah, in my books, mate, it's the most important bit of gear. What about people who can't tie flies? How, is impor- how important is it for them to understand um, fly tying, do you think? Well, well, I don't think that anybody can't tie flies. So just, it's just a matter of repetition, right? Well, that well, that's true. I mean, like, that's that's how you would definitely learn them. But let's say, you know, someone who can tie flies, who, 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 who may be not practising these new innovations, is looking at them and probably consumes con- um, commercially tied flies. How important do you think that is for that person to sort of uh, be able to communicate with a fly tire through the understanding? Oh, I think you'd be missing a pretty large piece of the puzzle, wouldn't you, by not actually tying yourself. And um, But, yeah, back to your question about communicating with the tire. Um, first, you, you'd have to find a tire who's willing to, you know, dive outside their lane a little bit. Mm. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Well, yeah, I mean, well, let's Basically say... what I'm saying is tie yep. your own. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think, um, I don't think people really necessarily need to have a um, a firm understanding to be able to do it, do it themselves, to be able to understand where they could spend their coin on flies. I think <laughs> a lot of stuff refers back to the podcast. I know this is an annexure of the podcast, but... I think following the beef is is all you really need to do, you know. Like, imagine if that page existed, you could look at, you know, Andy's damselfly, you know, like, and and you could say, well, this is different to regular damsels for this reason. It's designed for this species, and here's ten fish I've caught on it, and this is how I fish it. 
you know, then then someone could look at that and go, well, he just explained that he's he's fishing shallow edges of a lake or a crystal clear clear stream, um, and that's what I've got, and uh, and I've got carp, and I live in a similar area, and and I believe I could put, present the fly like that. That fly sounds like it's the one for me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Whereas yeah, I've actually got a good idea. Maybe we should get you should get heaps of tires together and you know offer their flies, and we'll just call it something like beast brushes. <laughs> See what I've done there? <laughs> trying to steer away from uh, the show sponsors a little bit there, Andy. But uh, no, but, but that's um, essentially what you've done. You've you've put the right flies. You've made <laughs> the right flies available. Well, yeah, I'd like to think so. But I mean, like the thing is, that's more about just supporting Australian made more than anything else, and um, you know, and not bringing um, foreign tied flies into the into the country. You know, because I I honestly do believe that we've got some fantastic and quality fly tires in Australia. And I think they get a little bit exploited um, because of the choices that are offered with lesser uh, lesser quality flies that are cheaper flies um, that might look similar, but have got no beef, which is why we talk about that, um, that, that follow the beef again, with the best interests of the fly fishing community at heart, you know, not to, not this. I think, um, I don't think anyone should take offense to it unless they are a charlatan in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's pretty much the uh, the blanket thing there. If if you're offended by follow the beef, well, then hey, you're you're presenting yourself potentially with no substance behind what you're selling, and that's on you. You know, but um, so I think um, that the whole idea of um, the co-op which you bring up is just more about um, getting behind Australian made, um, and 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 all those fly tires would be happily happy to be held accountable for their patterns their tires their quality um their ability to target the species that you're you're wanting to target and yeah you might pay a little bit more for them but you know there's there's definitely backup behind them and proof but um i mean that's i don't i don't even that doesn't even necessarily have to refer to the co-op which, which is something I'm tied into that's more about that, that comes down to i suppose um the the consumer you know putting you know putting their money where in a, in a in a clever like spending the money in a clever way to to maximize their recreational time you know i mean like you you look at some flies that might be 10 bucks versus 30 bucks you know for example like surely there's there's such a big gap in price that it would make you wonder what you're missing out on for paying 10 bucks and you know if you're going on that annual holiday well you know what i mean it, what's what's that 20 bucks worth here for that trophy fish yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And and just back to what you were saying about there's a lot of good Australian fly tires right now. Like, mate, in the last five years, it it, it has exploded. There is a lot of good tires. Yeah, so it's well, been good good to watch actually. Because there's a, I think because that's a and and fly fishing too. I think both of them go hand in hand for this reason is that there's access to results. You know, like uh, you think like I don't want to sound like an old man here, but I mean, you take yourself back, say, you know, seven, fifteen, seventeen years ago or something like that, two thousand five, say. Like I, I, you, I couldn't find out what you're tying unless you were a published tire in a magazine. You know what I mean? I do, yeah. Or in a club sharing it, or or met you at the boat ramp. Yeah, I get it. Information would have been yeah. extremely hard to get, but exactly, you'd have to fish with someone, or even I, I was a, I was the president of the um, Saltwater Saltwater Fly Fishing Association in hey, 2006, 2007. There was not, and oh, maybe maybe a third year, I can't remember. But anyway, for, uh, it was a short period of time, uh, and I can't think of any club night. That I sat there and gone, huh? That's that's really cool. I learned from that. I 
made some great friends and um and definitely uh went on some good fishing trips doing that and um the comps were great the comps are really good for fly fishing development in my opinion you know um but you know like nothing like you, the results you're seeing now you know like it's you can't back then you could probably pick up a fly rod and give it a go the only access to information you had was was the back of a magazine i know i know i know i know um fly life's been around for a while but let's say you weren't into fly fishing you didn't buy fly fishing publications you bought fishing world or something like that you might only see a column in the back that might have like a a, a column for a monthly fly tied by a guy that you know occasionally fly fishes uh maybe went to the northern territory once and picked out with a guided trip and is now considered a, a um a fly tire um you know that's your that's your access to results so if you're picking up a fly and you aren't getting results when the majority of your magazine is all custom um, conventional gear you know you, you, you'd be you'd be disheartened you'd be thinking you'd be flying alone you you wouldn't be encouraged by like other people are doing whereas you can go on social media now and you can what you can you could scroll through your page all day watching people catching bread and butter species like brim on fly all day long which are accessible to most people in the country so there's there really is no no excuses it's quite motivating all these results and in, in the same token same with the fly tying you could you could scroll for any genre of fly tying in the world, you know, traditional salmon flies, to even brim flies, you know, or um, nothing but top water or shark flies if you wanted to. I mean, like you, the the possibilities are, are limitless, you know. Even on yeah, top of that, yeah. go to the social media, you got Google. Yeah, hundred so, percent Google image, mate. I've sat down and and just run that page right to the bottom many times. But um, Instagram would be a, a classic, you know, like. If you've got a strong interest in anything, mate, um, Instagram is is great for that. But mm. the, the whole YouTube thing in the last 10 years has just exploded. And you have to be a little bit careful about where you're sourcing your information. Again, what you were saying about, you know, tyres not necessarily doing something that is right for the application. Mm-hmm. And, and a new tyre might, might think that that is the right application. So, you know, you've got to sift through a bit of it. Yeah, that's right, and 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 I mean, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but you know, you follow, follow the beef with that. Um, you know, <laughs> I had uh, a, a friend of mine contact me through Beastbrush and and show me some, some loops. Um, Ryan, if you're listening, you know who I'm talking about. Um, some uh, this uh, South African guide was putting on, um, you know, uh, braided braided hollow core loops. And I said, like, oh, don't make me watch that video, dude. And he's laughed. I'm like, oh, I don't want to even want to watch it, man. And then, um, and then he showed me what he did. I'm like, that's so unusual. I said, is this guy? Who is this guy? Has, has he caught fish? Has he got any beef? And so I looked him up and I looked on his Instagram page. He's got stacks of beef. That then I went and watched the video. You know, I mean, there's no point. I just don't see any way of going about it the other way around. I can't take this guy's word as gospel, as a, as building loops, or if it was someone building flies, if they weren't doing what I wanted to do with it. You know, yeah, I wouldn't, using it. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't take, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't run a racetrack in a car um, from the advice of the guy who built it if he doesn't have a license. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you wouldn't take COVID advice from Damo, the truck driver. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would. I mean, he, you know, Damo, the truck driver, does put a lot up his nose. But hey, this <laughs> this this podcast is not about jokes or sledging. That's uh, oh shit, Sorry. get out of that. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Damo if you're listening. Uh. <laughs> All right. Another another innovative tyre, I'll just bring you back to what we were talking about earlier, would be um, Dron Lee. Man, I, I feel that dude needs a solid mention. 
Yeah, yeah, his, I, yep. his, his ability to just take like very basic materials and, you know, manipulate that into a very fishy fly. And the dude does fish quite a lot too. Um, mate, I, I, it's pretty much unmatched in my eyes. Yeah, I don't get behind it a lot. I mean, I, I can appreciate him being a very innovative tire. Uh, I think I think um, some of his patterns don't really break the mould of solving a problem that hasn't already been solved, if you know what I mean. Oh, he's def Yeah, there's a lot of extension on stuff that's already being done, but he's, he's doing it in probably a, probably a better way. Could be. I think it's, it's, it's some of the stuff is aesthetic and it's clever. It's very clever. It's aesthetically pleasing, but... Um, I mean, what does he fish? He fishes for snakehead mainly, right? Um, I think I've seen him fishing for quite a few marsh here. Is that how you oh, pronounce okay. that fish? Yep. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, to John's credit, I mean, he does stay in his lane and, and like and tie flies for the fish that he chases. That's for sure. Um, not all of them um, are hitters, though. I don't see a lot. I don't see all of them with with uh, hanging out of fish's mouths. And you might be listening to this thinking, geez, you're, you're, you're a bit harsh, you know, but um, uh, you're, you're right. The fun's been beaten out of me, for sure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he does tie with fishing in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I can get behind that. So I guess, uh, um, I guess you know, sort of similar to a friend of mine, Steve Uchuk. He's he's similar. You know, Steve's had a pretty bad accident. He broke, he, I don't know if he put this, I'm sure he has put this up publicly, but, you know, he broke his leg pretty badly. Um, I don't want to get into how he did it. That's his business. Um, but he hasn't been out of fish for like two years, and he's still time flies, obviously. But some of these patterns are um, incredibly innovative. You know, when you look at Steve, I mean, you all would have seen, everyone would have seen um, um, that that rat fly with the seducer head turned around backwards on a shank uh, with with um, with the leather legs, leather braided leather legs, and a, and a and a craft fur brush around the body. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I've seen that pattern done to death by so many people, and uh, and no one credits him. You know, hardly anyone credits him. You know, uh, I mean that guy is, is super innovative. He, he does a lot of, he does a, he, he not every fly hits. You know, but some of the flies that he do does are sometimes probably you know way, way more technical than they need to be. But you know, like I can't really sort of um, disparage him for not um, not fishing because he can't fish, I suppose. But uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, those two remind me very similar of each other. They're quite, quite innovative in the use of materials. Steve uses a lot of rubber, um, a lot things of like that too. Yeah. Yeah. That, what's that mouse? He does that emperor mouse, is it? Oh, the emperor mouse. That's, that's a classic. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Um, I've, mate, I've wanted to tie those up for years. I should just do it. <laughs> I reckon yeah. they'd be a, a great, like native topwater fly for sure. Well, that's how that's how I got to know Steve. It was many years ago as a commercial tie. Someone asked me to tie it, so I reached out to him and said, "Hey, would you mind if, you know, I can refer this customer to you, but would you mind if um if I, I gave him a go?" He said, "Sure, but just don't advertise them. No problem." Um, but yeah, that so it's was a the, it's a skate fly. Yeah, they use that for skating, chasing steelhead, I believe. Correct, correct. So that those um those foam tabs in there were the inspiration for me for that slow water game changer. You know and. Uh, and uh, that was the first time I ever saw foam tabs tied in like that. So he's the reason he put those foam tabs in is so he could wind the brush around it. It's on just a a, a, a long shank hook, you know. It's not on shanks. Is he using brush? Oh, actually, I think he's. I've seen him tied a few different ways: brush and naturals. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he doesn't put. Um, I'm actually making him brush now for uh, for his ducks, ducklings, and um, and mice as well. 
Um, yep. The duck that he just put up on social media is um, Yowie Brush. I, I sent him a while ago. But uh, uh, Interesting. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, he's trying to take the weight out of it. So he was, try, he was putting um, Squirrel and Zonka through it at one stage, but the, um, the weight of the leather when you're casting it was, was too much. You've got to remember these dudes are trouties, eh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I wonder cast, if... Um, cast 10 to 2. Like a dubbing loop in there would have... You know, removing that leather from the equation, but anyway, I'm sure for sure knows, knows what he's doing. No, no, you're 100% correct. Like a dubbing loop, or you know, like or making it into a, well, essentially a composite loop by putting more than one material in there. You know, um, you know, it would be would be pretty pretty interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, because yeah. I'd imagine the uh, the naturals in there would would have way more trigger qualities than a brush. Well, when you're skating it across, dude, like I think, um, you know, like it's running water. There's not much time for it to sit still and having those natural materials do much. So, I mean, they're, they're more after that. I believe that the, the appear would be to more have that, um, that, that, that volume in the water, the, the presence of like the body of a mouse, you know, because those fish would be seeing something skating across and would, would be expecting to see that body of a mouse instead of something, you know, stripping out the pencil thin, you know. You're right. That that's a whole other subject, isn't it? Um, current flow, you know, like using profile flow flies in fast current and and you know more action flies in fly, in slow water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um that that gets down the hydrodynamic side of things, mate. But uh, yeah, uh, but I mean that all comes down to problem solving with that, I suppose, as well, which we talked about. Why don't you um why don't you tell us a bit about um. Yeah, you know, some of your innovations that um, your, your damsel, for example, and uh, what what problems that was solving. I mean, we brought it up a second ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, just essentially that problem to be solved was I wanted to catch more bloody fish. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Why weren't you catching fish with what? What was it? What were you using? Uh so you know they they just feed differently throughout different systems. And I would traditionally just use like a woolly bugger. And of course, you know, it still catches a lot of fish, great fly, all that. But I just knew it could be built on a little bit more. So I just started flipping stones and, you know, I, I didn't really take me that long to figure out that the, there was a lot of um, damsel nips. So I just, just started tying and, um, mate, the, the very first version was very basic, but it was still fishy and I just built upon it. So, you, you know, that was, was, a, it, was there a pattern that you, you, you um, were influenced by? It was sort of a mashup of a lot of different flies and a few ideas I had myself. So I wanted that damsel look, but I wanted those wings, legs to be a lot more prominent mm -hmm. just to get that fly to flip. So I could, you could fish it unweighted or yep. heavily weighted and it's still going to ride the same in the water. So you'll see how I bring that dubbing right up to the bend of the hook. Yep. Just gets that natural flow. So it's automatically going to flip no matter what weight. So that, that was a bit of a problem to solve. Okay. So the, okay. So a, the problem was um, one of the things was, was matching, matching your observations. So match, matching the hatch, as they say, because uh, you notice the, the, the forage that was going on around there. The other thing is that you realize that you needed a hook to land, uh, to sink a uh, hook point up. And to do that, you, you know, there's not a lot of weight in that hook. You've you've employed drag as opposed to weight for that fly design. Cor correct. So I've used a light gauge hook and the mm -hmm. dubbing running up the bend of the hook, 
will just flip it. You could just tie that thing completely unweighted and it will flip, it, yeah. which is very similar to the video that you just done with Gav. Just the way that it's all shaped, it will just automatically ride the correct way. Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting subject, I suppose, uh, drag versus weight uh, in the water. And it was there's no there's no fly that's really sort of um, awoken my interest to that more so than well arguably game changes but you know for something that's simpler like a flexo crab you know um, it was Al Simpson who told me once we were on the phone one day me and Al and he was telling me that he he tied a flexo crab and he put the legs uh, on the bo- like as if the crab was sitting up like you know hook point up or sitting on a desk and he put the legs on the bottom. Uh, and then it was um, uh, Andre Van Wyk or um, Neptuna, he's called, uh, calls himself online. It contacted Al and said, hey, dude, that's um, that fly will flip over every time. He's like, I've got lead tied on the shank. And he's, he said, it won't matter. So what he was getting at there was that um, drag, the drag of the legs in the, in the water are going to act like a parachute and flip that hook over and take more precedence than the weight that you're using to try and keep the hook point up. Um, so I thought that was really interesting because then after that point, because I didn't, I, I, I have tied very, very, very few flexo crabs. I'm not, I mean, they're all right. I mean, I guess they get a lot of stuff done. They're just a, they're just a, they're actually a, a fly that should appeal to me more because they, they're a basic fly that gets it done and they're designed to catch fish. And they're, a, they're a real guide fly in my opinion, which I, I can really respect. But then you look around on the internet there and you see, a lot of crew talk, you know, they'll put pictures up and go, oh, this is going to smash when I get to a permit flat and all the legs are tied on the bottom. I'm like, you know, no one, I mean, I'm sort of wondering why isn't anyone telling them that, um, that that's not going to work? I guess for the same reason I'm not going to say it because I don't want to come across like a bastard, you know, break someone's dreams. But, um, you know, like it's it, the drag, that, that fly is a classic example like that. It must be so disappointing for some people who have tied the legs on the bottom and, gone on this annual trip and have the fly land hook point down every time yeah um, it's something to take into consideration I, I guess it'd be like taking a normal bowl out of the kitchen submersing mm. it in water and letting it go mm. like it's going to be that curvature is going to hold it one way every time isn't it absolutely i guess uh you know like there's there's weight versus drag but there's also um uh buoyancy as well in material selection you know um there was a, a, a back in the day when I was learning from Pat Cohen. Um, uh, I remember tying these. Uh, he brought out these these um, what are they called Cohen's creatures. These flutter legs. I tied this fly. I was fishing with my mate Macker and we we're casting it. It kept landing upside down. And I contacted Pat and I'm going, "Hey man, these. What do you do to stop these legs from making the fly land upside down?" And um, and Pat didn't tell me exactly what to do. He just went on to talk about how each fly needs to be engineered and. And it was a real, um, it was a real, um, you know, naughty kid at school moment for me, <laughs> you know, really, uh, really pointed out the obvious, you know, like you need to engineer these flies. And, and from that point on, I started tying tungsten on the bend of the hook because the, uh, in the air, the deer hair was heavy because it was waterlogged, but when it landed, it was buoyant and it would always land upside down, but then I'd strip it and then the hook would roll over, you know, but I'd. You, you sometimes don't get that opportunity with that fly. Like it lands near your structure, you might only have one or two strips for that fish to react before you pull it out of its face. And that's how far it took for that fly to flip over, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting topic, that, mate. Like I watch a lot of um, like lure design videos as well. And 
the the one thing that's brought up in every video is is weight weight placement and how mm. much weight so you know you need to take that into consideration if you're going to design flies otherwise you know there's plenty of youtube videos to we step by steps it comes down to the desired action too right yeah yeah so you know it you got to understand what you want from the from the materials or the the fly before you start selecting materials and building materials um that can mean you know the weight the buoyancy the drag all those all those things come into consideration yeah absolutely mate um building materials is you know as you know something i'm big on i love to get right down to the nuts and bolts of that um building shanks and you know making eyes making your own tab eyes but and that's all just to fit the application that i want the fly to do right and you know like if if you're into designing a fly as well and you're trying to there's just not a material on the market that suits what you're trying to do making it's the best the best option well let's say you want to make a, a synthetic material how would you figure out what you wanted well surely you'd have a rough idea of what you want out of it what you want it to look like so you know first point of call for me is just um you know shops like spotlight and <laughs> yeah well everyone knows you're a spotlight bro, bro staffer you know <laughs> yeah it's very entertaining walking through there with a handful of feathers mate well let me ask let me ask you this then like uh is anyone in spotlight ever uh talk about the specific gravity of any of these synthetic materials no they will not offer that service and this style of fly tying is not for everybody i'm just a bit of a nerd with it um Mate, and to be quite honest, you're much better off buying half of this stuff. But anyway, I'm a nerd. What can I say? Yeah, well, don't make me divulge how much you spend at my shop before you start telling people to go to Spotlight because, you know. <laughs> don't, don't, I'll, don't, I'll don't, spend don't, more at your shop than Spotlight, mate, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Way more. <laughs> well, I mean, the, 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 the angle I'm getting at there, I suppose, is, you know, like there's, a, there's a lot of materials that are available. And, like, synthetics are a, a classic example like that, you know, like uh, – um, when when myself and Marty were starting to make brushes, you know, like people will know that when Beast Brushes started, um, you know, I had a I I I had I was approached by a dude named Marty and we started together. But when we were starting to develop these things, you know, we started off with one size, br one brush to suit one size game changer, and that was a that was a, a five to six inch game changer, which was the most popular size game changer I was tying at the time, and I was using the um, the uh, the chenille like uh, the chenille or the um, wrap like the blank chocolate wrap um and which which obviously had its own problems which everyone will, most people who've tied on will know it's heavy uh and and it would it would it would plummet through the water it would sink because it's a nylon and it wouldn't it, it wasn't a buoyant material the chenille was was even worse it was just like a little dragon tail you know which if that's what you want to do that's fine but I, as you know andy and and um and many people heard on the podcast I mean, i'm 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 after a, uh, a swim bait action, like a proper swim bait. I'm not talking about a swim bait hook. I'm talking about a swim bait like a conventional guy would throw for largemouth bass or what we'd throw for bar or cod or something like that, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, not an injured bait fish. Whatever. Star yeah. fly, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, it's not really swimming, is it? So, you know. It's, um, but anyway, I'm not here to split hairs on the word um, swim bait. Um, but you get what I'm, what I'm chasing there. So, we, you know, we, uh, we mucked around with – um 
different materials of different specific gravities. And by that, I mean, like anything's got a specific gravity, uh, um, uh, greater than water will, will sink, you know, and water is generally considered to be zero in that specific gravity or, um, uh, and it's, and it's rated like, I'm probably butchering this, but you can look it up and, um, and different materials. And, you know, we, we found a material without giving away trade secrets and stuff that was a buoyant synthetic. And you can see that in the, in the BB fiber, um and it's identical to, to um ep fiber very hard to tell the difference between but ep fibers nylon and which which sinks you know so uh it wasn't going to suit what we wanted because we worked out that just like you know a, a, a timber carved swim bait you know when that when when um when the uh the lure or the swim bait was able to sort of have a, a similar buoyancy from one end to the other that uh, I don't know how to word this, but a lot of the energy, if you say, wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't lost in trying to get that action. You know, like if it was, it was just sort of uh, neutrally buoyant, if you like. You know, the more neutrally buoyant or the more weightless uh, a fly was, not necessarily floating, the more action, more the side to side action we we're getting out of it when when you trimmed it to control where the resistance was on the on the fly. Going down Did a you... path that didn't didn't want to go there, but I'm, I'm what I'm getting at, I suppose, is if we didn't understand the the properties of the material selection, um, we wouldn't have been able to make these blends or adjust it by adding non-buoyant material like the 240 brush has got um, uh, flash in it, whereas the baseball brush doesn't because the material was too buoyant to be not have the, the sinking flash in it. So to put that blend in it to control it is the reason why it's got in it. It's got nothing to do with aesthetics. It looks good. But it's got nothing to do with aesthetics. It's got about. It's got to do with creating the action, and all those three brushes are, are um, bait ball, two forty brush, two forty yeah, two forty B brush, and Yowie um, are all designed for that purpose, and that's just to make game changers swim. You know, right? Is that a, is that a proper line that that material? Uh, Andy, as I mentioned, wasn't about to go into mentioning what it is, but yeah, it's a it's a poly, it's a type of polypropylene. Yeah, right. It's a problem. Sorry, you, can, yeah. you can cut that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about we just send people to Spotlight and and, and then break down my materials so everyone can do it. <laughs> let's, just, let's just dissolve beast brushes right now. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's all right, mate. It's fine. Um, so yeah, they look out. You know, and that that obviously gave birth to then. Uh, you know, when you're talking about designing materials, knowing that and realizing how much better the action was that it gave to that and then and then capital sort of sorry rather maximizing out on those sorting out those properties and materials we want and the trimming aspect of it the next evolutionary step was that was in technique for tying and that gave birth to the slow water game changer or in its simplest form which is now very different to what you see now um but you know like as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast you know like that's been the topic of many conversations you know, like but between you and me before anyone even saw that fly if you recall you know yeah yeah absolutely you know so it's um it's pretty interesting mate but uh so making your own materials for sure um can can be handy you know it's uh um and a necessity like it you know that's for sure so i can appreciate what you what you're doing there um yeah yeah likewise mate i think some of the work that you've done with those brushes and, and engineering them at you know why would you muck around with doing all that stuff at home yourself and you can just literally buy them it's done but you know if you're that way inclined make a thousand and work it out for yourself oh that's the thing if, if you if people only saw 
I mean, a game changer took, you know, five, five inch game changer, even as a pro- professional fly tire was tying shitloads of game changers. They still took me between an hour and a quarter, an hour and 20, roughly, to tie by the time I did them up completely, like colored them in, put the eyes on, resin over the head, all that sort of shit. <coughs> you know, when you rock up, when Marty rocks up and he's got like, um, like, um, different percentages of blends between flash and different densities and you're tying all of them and you got to go make them all swim. You know, it's pretty heartbreaking after the fifth or sixth one. You're like, nah, doesn't work <laughs> in a month trying to make money as a fly tire as well. It's just, it was madness. It really is. I, I, I wouldn't go through it for all the tea in China again. No way in the world. No oh yeah, man. It's, it's the biggest, the biggest turn off even just tying flies for other people is like they'll do like a part of an order and then they'll say, can you tie this? And it's like, yeah, well, I can, but I'll have to R&D it. And just like you said, you're tying five to figure out it's not going to work. And, yeah, it's, it's a hassle. Did you get many of those when you were commercially fly t- I mean, you're still commercially fly tying up like on the download, right? Yeah, I, I will. I don't advertise it. Um, you kind of got to get me at the right time. But, yeah, I, I definitely still do it. You're saying if you're going to contact, you'd be prepared to be knocked back, is what you're saying? Or yes. to get in the right mood, yeah, you'll be yeah, on. Yeah, I'll be on. Yeah. Have you had any uh, – what's what's some of the more memorable flies where people have said, can you tie this for me and uh, or can you develop something for me? Um, not so much on the development side, but, you know, they'll often just screenshot a photo and you'll get a photo of like, like a beast, you know, and that's something I've never really mucked around with. And, you know, a lot of your reputation goes with that fly, whether you've – you know, if you haven't nailed it, so um, mm. yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a daunting side to it, and and on the other side of that too is is species that I haven't fished for. You know, like sure I can tie a flexo crab, sure I can tie a VGDC, but I don't know the variables in that. Like how much weight can I put on it? How much weight can't I put on it? So mm. if you're going to want those flies, you need to be contacting the blokes who are fishing for that flies. Like, yeah. I can yeah. tie them, but they might they might not be what you're after. Well, you're pretty lucky to have ac- access to to Volta White, you know himself, the dude who came up with the uh, VGDC Pippi fly, you know. So you're able to um, access the guys that have got the information. I suppose that's you know if you can if you can uh, have good communication with your client, you know that's that's and you can translate to the vice. I mean that's what I've seen that you've got the ability to do as well. Yeah, yeah, it, that's all just just practice but there's a lot of stuff that i will just i won't even touch mate just because i don't fish for that fish yeah no that's fair enough that's fair enough yeah for sure there is a fly that comes to mind with uh with your innovation andy that you know i know i know developed quite a big buzz um when it has been released on the internet and things like that but i know also know because i was seeing videos of that before it got put up on the internet like how long you've been dicking around with it as well and that's that um uh the paddler Oh yeah, yeah. I think you got one of those too, don't you? I do. From I don't know from Jesus, what two years ago or maybe longer, two three yeah. years ago. Yeah. Somewhere. So that that's just a good example of um, you. You just got to not copy lures, but there's definitely something to be taken away from lure designs, and we'd be crazy not to be tying stuff like lures or lure actions intended in our flies. Um. But yeah, that that was a lot of work that fly, but it was just something so simple that was the hang up. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Again, fifteen flies the, later. <laughs> what was it? What was the problem? And how did you solve uh, it? Angle of the wings. So how I solved it is I the actually paddle. Just, you mean? Yeah, yeah, the paddles. 
So how I solved it is I just went and bought one, like a, a proper soft shell cicada, and I just mimic the angle. And it, it's pretty critical too. Like you've got to get it within a mil or it's um, it's game over and you've spent all that time on the vice to, with no result. Well, it is still a result, but a result mm. you can learn from too. Well, as they say, mate, with fishing, the observant angler is the uh, successful angler. Um, and all you're really doing there is just uh, what, what, they, what they call in business modelling, when you're not really copying, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's, um, you, what you've done is you've just modelled off other people's testing really there in, in the way of that um, TMC cicada or whatever that thing is, you know. It's, uh, and, the, and look, you know, I think there's a lot to be learnt, like you said, from, from, lure, from lures, not so much because you want to copy lures. And I think there's a limit to this as well, which I'd like to discuss when it comes to copying lures or other people's flies and stuff. Um, but it's observing the, uh, the hydrodynamics that they, that they employ to derive the action that they want from their product, you know? Yeah, and, and man, that, that stuff works. You stand next to a lure guy on a bank, they're going to outfish you nearly every time depending on species. But, um, you know, you'd, you'd be silly not to be focusing on some actions. You know what? That's funny. Even that I mean, we're going to get in fishing a little bit here, but I mean, like, I reckon this is why I reckon that happens because I've been in situations where I've seen flies outfish lures as well. You know, and it's not so much the the problem with the casting or the, or the fly line or anything like that. It's because the flies aren't doing the same thing as the lures. And I think the one thing there are things that lure, flies can do that lures can't do, but the biggest thing that lures can do that flies can't do is create bulk vibration you know, yeah but yeah but agreed by that i mean like you know like a trans am like that like a vibe like a lipless crank or or a, or a spinnerbait blade or, or a propeller or a chatterbait you know things like that yeah um, yeah so we're casting a tesla and those guys are casting a, a freaking chevy man oh yeah well i wouldn't i wouldn't even i don't think it's really comparable i think that the the, the only comparable the only observation you can you can you can make you got to look past the fact that that they're easy to cast and they can cast a country mile and they can keep their lure in the water longer than us. It just means that we're going to be more aware of our species that we chase, more empathetic to their movements and behaviour, and be able to put what we want and know that's going to get in front of their face in the most natural fashion. And and that's I guess that's a that's a next level for fly fishermen to be able to achieve that when you come from lure fishing. But the effectiveness of a lure versus a fly. And many people argue against this. I think is 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 kind of um, unless you're trying to achieve that vibration, is 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 uh, negligible because it only comes to the down to the ability to keep the fly in the water longer or keep or put it where it needs to be. And a lot of those things are sort of um, uh, or put it where it needs to be efficiently is probably a better way to put it. Because if you're gonna use a floating line and use like a half a kilo of lead on your on your clouser to get it down, as opposed to use a sinking line. Well, you know, if you a fish eats it and spits it out and you don't feel it, well, that's on you, you know. But uh, if you know what I'm saying, so I mean, like the the thing about movement and um and the way things pass through the water and the way, you know, like your like your like your paddler bib, like the way that you know it resists through the water and it it creates that desirable action. All that's worth um noting. One of the things that that I used to get hit up for uh, as someone who was tying game changers was was glide baits, you know. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And How do you... and uh, and like as much as um, you know, you can try to replicate a glide bait, which I think is 
I'm fascinated by glide baits and swim baits. I, I, I'm like you. I've the only thing I don't watch fly tying on YouTube. The only thing I watch on YouTube is is swim baits and uh, and their designs and how they how they make them. And um and I and I just I just yeah and I try to apply that to flies as best I can. Um, which I, I've come to the conclusion that the one thing that lets us down with fly tying is the is the is the texture of materials when you've got a smooth surface that gets pulled through the water like a glide bait it can it can drift off to one side because it's got no resistance it's got no fly line it's got no no furry sides like we have with game changers um and i i've just i just don't think it's possible you know it could be but i i can't get my head around it you know and that's uh, yeah that's, maybe we're not there yet yeah i just don't think it's possible i think you would need i think you would need smooth sides which would mean a uh, um a manufactured uh, like a, a a preformed product or you know timber that's been glossed up you know or something like that plastic you know you know what i'm saying as opposed to sort of a brush there's too much there's too much drag in the water for it to allow it to just um to just hook it off to a half a meter to one side then back a meter to the other side it's just not going to happen yeah, or or maybe we're looking at the lures too much, trying to replicate that, mate. You know. Oh well, I mean that. Yeah, maybe, but that that arguably comes just down to um, the the desire of the individual. You know, I think you know it's a little could be what you're saying. There could be a little bit of the grass is greener on the other side, so to speak. Like thinking that your results are only not matching theirs because you're not using what they're using. You know, as opposed to sort of concentrating and doubling down on the advantages that fly i've got over lures you know what i mean um you know i think there's plenty of advantages for for a game changer over a swim bait but some of the disadvantages of it is putting it where it needs to be you know a lot of people can't cast them they can't sink them down uh you know as opposed to sort of chin weights on a swim bait or something like that or um you know you saw you see where i'm getting going yeah 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 absolutely you know, so I mean, I used to fish with a friend of mine who used to always be looking at a boat off in the horizon, go, I wonder what they're catching. And he used to piss me off because I used to be like, why don't you just concentrate on what you're doing, man? You know, <laughs> to, just stop looking at them and just concentrate on what you're doing. If it's no good here, we'll move. But we've got to kind of got to know why we're moving, you know. And um, God, he used to annoy me. Lucky I don't Maybe, fish with he's, he's Maybe his ancestors were like explorers, you know standing on a hill i wonder what's over there it's nothing more frustrating than doing it tough and then having some dude going i bet they're slaying it over there (laughs) (laughs) god damn it dude yeah (laughs) yeah confidence boost yeah so yeah i wonder that with the um with the lure comparison that you know that that uh, yourself and i'm making and many people do i think one of the i see some have you ever seen people online put up pictures of their favorite hard body lure and then put up a fly that's the same color and go it's got to work right yeah but they're uh they're missing a large piece of the puzzle there aren't they yep what, what do you think that is andy <laughs> well yeah the, the vibration like we we're just talking about the action it's just going to be completely different but look yeah. I, I get it you're matching the hatch you've taken a step closer to to solving that problem as of as we've spoken about mm. Well, I mean, you, if you apply fly design to it, you know, you can only design a fly that appeals to the prey that you're chasing. If you're going to, if you're going to, I don't know what species these guys are chasing, but some species arguably don't even see colour. Yeah, that's that's something I haven't really scratched right up on is um, 
colour contrast and what fish see. It does vary by the sounds of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough about it either, mate. I just, I know it works uh, for the species that I chase, and I know what colours work for them, uh, and that's probably you... more, more about time than knowledge of their eyesight or their biology. You know. Yeah, UV is another one I haven't really, haven't really subscribed to either, but. You know, you know, some people swear by it. You know what I think would be really interesting is to is to get some bait, whatever the bait, bait fish, cr- uh, crustacean, shellfish, whatever it is, prawns, whatever. Pull it out, ideally while it's alive, bring it into an environment where you could shine a black light on it and have a look at what it does. I I wonder, you know, I wonder because I mean, as I just mentioned, I've got no idea about the biology of the fish in relation to the different species eyesight, but it arguably, do they see UV? Do they see contrast in black and white, but, but some UV might pop out as others, you know, you get some, some creatures, um, you see, I'm going to refer, I referred to this in the podcast when we spoke about this, I spoke about the, the, the movie Moana and, um, have you seen it? The movie Moana? Yeah. Yeah. So I got the names wrong, and I'm going to get it right this time, but Maui lost his hook, right? And um, or, he, or, or when he met Moana, he was banished to an island, and he didn't have his hook, and he wanted to get it. He knew where it was, and it was kept in this big cave by this big crab. Do you know the scene <laughs> I'm talking about? I can't remember. It was a while ago. <laughs> anyway, so <Carry> on. <laughs> they go into this crab, and it's, I mean, it's, it's, the movie's not important, but in a stage there the lights went out and then the crab lit up with this whole new look because of what was what was lighting up uv and all the creatures around there all look different with the uv and all that sort of stuff as well and you're you're right i mean i I wonder i just wonder i wonder if you got like a fusilier off the reef or something like that and put it in put it in like a a dark room and lit it up with a, a black light what would actually show up you know that's a and b do the predators that we're tying flies for see it, recognize it, and are turned on by it, we just don't know. But we we don't. Yeah, but I mean like there are some species that, you know, for example, bass don't mind a, a UV orange or barra, you know, a UV orange as opposed to a non UV orange seems to get a better reaction. And that's all we can go by, just the the observations of a successful angler, really, until we pull apart the eyes of our prey. <laughs> <laughs> like dull heads. Uh... Well, I've got a cod in me tank here, mate. I'm about to hit him with the black light. Turn, it, <laughs> turn. It, can you make the room dark? Yeah. Are you going to do it while we're on the podcast? Oh yeah, we'll do it right now. Why not? Right now. How big's your cod? Uh, he'd be nearly maybe 250 mil long. What is I've it? Got... A, is it a Murray or a or a Mary? It's a Murray. Right, sure it is. But, but man, a... they they grow quick, eh? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> have you have you got the lights off in the room? Can is it is it pretty well dark inside the room? Is there any yeah. light ambient light getting in at all? Yeah, there is, and he's he's the only thing that lights up is his pupil, mate. Oh, really? That's yeah, that's interesting. Right. So over his over his whole back, everything like that. There's nothing else that lights up, right? Nothing at all, mate. Just his pupil. All right. Have you got anything any prey items in there, like yabbies or anything? Nah, I'll just keep him on pellets, mate. Oh right, okay. No, no, no Tetris neon Tetris or anything like that in there. 
Hang on, I'll go to my other thing, mate. I've got a turtle tank here, and I've got shrimp and red claw and all that shit in it. Oh, nice. Yep. Oh, man, the shrimp is covered in UV. There you go. How's that? Eyes and everything, mate. Yeah. Under, underneath its carapace. Wow. Like a pattern? Like any yep. sort of pattern? Um, no, I just... So, you know, like the front of a shrimp, how they got that spine just near their mouth? Yeah. The sand that's spike. green. Yeah, that's green. And just under his eyes where his guts would be is fluoro orange. Oh, wow. Yeah, Take right. Take some photos, mate. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, um, we might use that to um, get a good photo, mate. We'll use it to advertise this show. I will. That's really cool. Even yeah. their legs are lit up. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's pretty interesting, mate. Very interesting. Is there anything else that um, that you want to talk about on the uh, on the fly tying, fly tying special, Andy? Um, not really, mate. We talk about this stuff all the time. I don't think we'll have we do really else to bring to the table here. What about uh, new materials, mate? Anything um, strike your might, strike your uh, interest? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely um, like to talk about NIAT, man. That. That is 100% material of the year for me. It's pretty nice, eh? Uh, just the way that you can blend that with bucktail. It must be just hooking onto those little little barbs on the bucktail fibres and you can, it just makes taming flies a lot easier and extending flies, man. I haven't done a lot of it, mate. Tell, tell me about it. So, actually, I've got one in my hand right now. So I've just done a basic hollow tie. Mm-hmm. Right, and I'd usually tame that, run it underwater, mm-hmm. let it dry out. So I've just put a veil of Nyat over the top of it and just combed it in. Didn't even have to run it underwater. It's just a perfect shape. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. So you tell, so to you, like you're observing that the Nyat will, will actually tame the bucktail a bit, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's gripping to the... You know, you grab a piece of bucktail, like a single strand, and you run your finger backwards down it. You can feel little barbs. Yep. Yeah, it's almost like it's hooking onto those and just stopping it from flaring. Yeah, right. Eh? Well, that makes one sense. Cool, one cool application I've found with it. Yep. Right. So what are you you're using it for hollows or bait fish, bait fish patterns, yeah? Yeah, bait fish, hollow, mash-up, bulkheads, whatever, but... Um, it, it puts a nice contrast in too if you use it nice and thin. Like you, obviously, you don't want to grab a, make the whole fly out of it. Mm. Mm. I did that. I did a, a complete hollow out of night. Oh, did you? How did it come out? It, oh, it was pretty wispy. Like, I mean, it's a fine material, of course, but it had enough instructional integrity in the um, in the night strands to be able to be reverse tied uh, and stand up and create that profile pretty easily. Uh, I ran it underwater uh, to tame it. Um, I took a photo. I put it on my page. It's, it's a bit of a deep dive, but um, I put it underwater. And I, t- I took took a picture of it. It, it. Like you said, it would be it would sit there without the water, but once the water was tamed and, and each individual fiber was laid out nice and straight, it looked pretty nice. And even when I was running underwater, it had the same profile as bucktail sitting under the water. You know, like um, it went the same sort of thinness. You know, so it didn't completely go out pencil thin either, which I thought was pretty surprising. Yeah, it is quite similar to bucktail in it it's like a like a thinner version yeah i, I think i think yeah it, yeah uh, it's a uh who was it dylan dylan tomlinson described it once as um as bucktail and craft fur had a baby and uh, i thought that was pretty accurate eh? <laughs> yeah absolutely because uh, uh, a lot of people i don't know if people know but craft fur 
is just different length fibers that give the illusion of taper. Like so when they stitch it into the, the to the backing mat, it's just all like it's not it's it the the strands are of the same diameter from the base all the way to the tip, and and they just stagger the height of them to make it look like it's tapered. If you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Whereas like a uh, a single length hair of Naya, like bucktail, like any hair, is wider at the base and 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 thinner at the top. That's why no one has ever been able to uh, replicate synthetic bucktail um, well. You know, although there's been faux bucktail, which is just a was just a fucking disaster. You know, yeah. That, um, um, that's about that's about the only time when someone sort of stuck their chest out and go, "We got a solution," but it was still nowhere near it. But yeah, Nyats, um it's 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 good on its own. Like I did a um, speaking of new materials, the the new Arex hooks that came out, those SA, uh, what are they? I don't off the top of my head right now. Two two SA two five fours with the um, the jig hooks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to get a packet of those actually. Yeah. So I tied a um, I, I t- well, what turns out to be a Martin's minnow. I didn't realise it. Martin listens to this podcast. He's from England. He's made. It. He sent me over some Martin minnows and I caught some bass on them. Ages ago, they're great fly, but um, I just yeah, I actually know the ones you're talking about. You can visibly see the weight he's put in the front of them. Is that them? Yeah, so he's used he uses a tungsten bead in the front. Um, I just uh, I use lead wraps and just concealed it under the night and just you know um, v tied it all on. Yep. And um and just created something there. I saw um Sander, uh, coming with Sander, Sander's last name. He works at Big Streamers actually. He did a, he was doing them really nicely. And I tagged him on my post and yeah um heavily influenced by it, but um. Yeah, so yeah, night was really nice to use there. Like it was like using you couldn't have used bucktail on that. It was it would have been too too short for bucktail, and the and uh, the amount of shank, the room on the shank would have made it too sparse. You know, <coughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So night was a was a really good um, application for that, and and blending that with some really nice fine tinsel flash, that again I make here for the brushes. But um, so um. Yeah, well, that's another. I didn't talk about that when we were talking about making materials, but yeah, I make the flash too. But um, uh, so I blended some of that in with the uh, with the night. Beautiful. I haven't swum it though, admittedly. Um, the hooks are only just rocked up um, last week. Uh, it depends on when this show airs, but uh, the second the second week of school holidays. That's right. Yeah, what are we in now? Is. We're in yeah, we're in the last weekend of school holidays now when we record this. Good Friday. Good Friday. So I only yeah. eating fish today. I did go carp fishing, but I will not be eating carp today. Mm. Did you see? Did you see that? Um, speaking of influential tires, like there's, I didn't get through many of mine. And I'm not want to. I don't want to bring up the subject again. But I recently tied a fly. Did you see? I posted up a picture of a crab called a Fukushima crab. Oh, I did. Yeah, I even <clears> had a look at the article that you were talking about, mate. That as simple as that fly looks. That would be one of the most challenging flies that I've I've had to tie to make look neat, you know. Well, um, coming from you, mate, that um, it must be pretty hard. I it was like. it, it. Have it. Give it a crack. It's 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 like it's um. I was, I was talking to Volty about. It. I said it's like that movie Seven. Like it's like, uh, sorry, Saw. Like they make these challenges. You to get terrifying challenges. You got to get through. Imagine if like some dude said, okay, I want you to. Uh, spin the bucktail and tie in <laughs> rubber rubber clumps in between that bucktail, but don't pack it tight. And then I want you to wind through a schlappen feather, and I don't want any of the any of the deer hair to lay down. Ha 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 ha! <laughs> <You know? laughs> I tell you, man, it's it's such a like I, I'm tying a fly, and I I'm like I don't know why any why would this why would anyone invent this? You know, like it's just 
as, it, I mean, um, it, to me, mate, it looked like if you knocked the claws off that, that would make a really good carp fly. <laughs> it, Seriously, I was nearly you, tempted to try it. You can't really tie them really small, you know. I, I well, I haven't been able to. I'm only, I've only just see that that pattern. The only reason I know about that pattern is uh, Bill Mitchell um, ordered some flies off me. I don't know, like I said in my post about maybe five years ago, um, and mate, it just fucked me. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I um, I sent him what I attempted, and Bill was nice enough to say, "You got the uh, proportions right." <laughs> and, um, <laughs> back it, to what i was saying about engineering flaws for all yeah, <laughs> but it's um yeah but it's it's um it stumped me and it's always wanted me and i'm like you know even what i sent bill was like you know seven attempts in and i'm like man i'm i'm only charging like 10 bucks for one of these flies and i'm just spending all day on it i must i just i wasted days on it just trying to fill the order it got to a point where it was a matter of pride and i still couldn't do it you know so all these years later once that new Arex hook came out, I was like, you know what? That's um, I reckon that that fly would look really good on that. And uh, you oh, know, here's that, another ten for Bill. Well, <laughs> it, like I, mean, I had to practice it. Like uh, I mean, don't be fooled. Like uh, talk about the talk about the man behind the curtain. I I must have tied five before that one I photographed. You know, you know, like I couldn't. I, I still found it hard. And and although that blog that you're talking about there, that mountains to marsh, that that article. Like you can, like I try to follow that, and and I do it. I I tie it different to what he says in that thing there because I have no idea. That's still the neatest one I've seen. That one in that article. I don't know how he did that. I really yeah. Don't. I, I I would wager, mate, that you're too used to to actually stacking tight deer hair because I've gone to tie locks flies that have spun deer hair heads, and you just proportions are way off because you're used to grabbing clumps and just lashing them down and stacking them on and pushing them in and. Well. That, that's an interesting point because that's what that's what me and Bill uh, proposed when five years ago, and uh, and to a degree I think he was correct um, because like when I first started doing Dahlbergs it was all spinning I knew how to, I know how to spin hair like I'm I know I'm used to stacking but Dahlbergs used to all be spinning I didn't know how anyone put the dots in it back when I first started doing Dahlbergs but uh, but these this like you see in that mountains to marsh thing that he's um that he, in his SBS there he's like coat the whole shank in thread. What I do now is I tie the eyes on, whip finish that off, then go back to the start and leave a bare shank so I can spin better over it and sparser because I want because with when the uh, when the thread's on it, yeah, it's hard to spin, but it stays in the one spot. So to did fill you, the holes, did you use GSP like just to get it a bit slippier on the shank? No, I just use flat wax nylon. That's okay. all. I've, yeah, okay. it's it's fine. It was because uh, the because the thread's not touching the shank; it's just touching the, the deer hair. I can corkscrew so I can spread it out to be really sparse. Like I've got it, I've got it about as sparse as you can do it without putting holes in it. Like I, even in that in that blog, they talk about using a quarter of a pencil. I've got a pretty good gauge of what a, what a pencil is from all the deer hair stuff that I've done. Um, uh, you know, and I still think that's too much. And I use less than that. I was probably using an eighth of a pencil on uh, on maybe four stacks on that shank. You know, I wouldn't say stacks four four um tight. And I'm and I also not using belly hair. I'm using body hair as well to to spin it better. God I damn deer hair, mate. There's nothing easy about deer hair on flies. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I think it's a quite a hard medium to to deal with, but predictable all the same. This was by far, like you said, outside of my comfort zone. You know, as far as what I'm used to doing, I'm used to putting as much as I can on and, and as tight as I can. Um, 
So this was definitely outside my comfort zone. So it might be an easier flight for someone else, but for me, I found it extremely challenging. Yeah, and, um, maybe maybe you could make a uh, like a belly hair brush, mate. No, well, I've tried. Well, the problem with putting natural materials in a brush is you can't use wire. Um, no, so if you use natural materials in a brush, maybe night. I've never tried night, but it's just I never. It's never here long enough for me to have hash in quoted commas inverted commas spare night to try it out. Um, <laughs> No, but, I mean, like, throw a dub and loop out of GSP. Yeah, yeah. well, that's what you need to do for a brush. So a dubbing loop and a dubbing brush, two different things, you know, so to speak. So if I was going to – because I'm manufacturing the brush now, there's no one else making them besides me because Marty was gone a long time ago, as you know. I've had a muck around. I had a look at them, and I think a bucktail brush would be pretty cool. But I think the problem with the bucktail brush would be that you would need to be um, – It'd need to be such nice hair to for it to not stand up like it was electrocuted, like I was saying earlier, you know. And um, um, uh, you know, like I just don't want to put that that hair into a. I'd rather use that, you know. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, and I just I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But like they um, whenever any time I sort of mucked around with them, you got to use you got to use gel smoke. You can't use wire to make a bucktail brush. And even when you when you use it, you got to glue it up when you before you cut it. Because there's, it'll just unwind itself. It's not like wire that'll stay there, you know. And so you can't. You either got to use the whole brush, or when you go to cut it, you know, use some super glue or something that's fast acting and just glue the end of it so it doesn't undo itself. Oh, the fun of it. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm sussed on that when I see people with bucktail brushes. Great, you made a bucktail brush. Big difference using a bucktail brush. You know, it's uh, all the hairs out all the way around the shank. You know, like around the around the brush, like 360 degree round. When you're tying your, um, I mean, different to a composite loop, like you're saying, you can keep it all on one side and palm it all to one side quite easily. But as, as a brush, it's done up with a drill and all that sort of stuff. You know, like you're gonna, you're gonna have it. It's just gonna look like it, like a set. It's gonna be looking like it's electrocuted. You know. Yeah, you could almost achieve the same result with um, synth. Well, not almost. You can with synthetics. I, I think. Yeah, I think synthetics are pretty hard to to um, beat for a dubbing brush, but for a composite loop or a dubbing loop. Yeah, that's that's a different that's a different animal again, you know, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the guy you got guys like Nick Stewart that tie I'd like to get him on this show actually and talk talk flies with him. Um, because he's like you got a guy living in Queensland who ties some of the best spay flies you've ever seen. And um and he's been wanting to come up here and, and we try to contact Marty and he's and he's also asked me if I'll do it as well, like make a, a composite loop brush, you know, for um those guys with their spay flies for I don't know what they're called, what 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 type of flies they're called. I'm sure they've got all names, monkers and stuff like that, right? Oh, like in intruders and intruders. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. All some that. of those are good, mate. He come over here. Oh, geez, when I first moved in here about maybe seven years ago, and we we're sitting down at the bench, and he showed me uh, a few composite loops. And man, I wish I paid a little bit more attention, but I might have to get him round again. But Man, some of some of those are interesting, hey. Yeah, like some of those like, composite loops are made up of like I think Fox, Lady Amherst, and I'm, I don't know if I'm even pronouncing that correctly. You know, Rubber Legs, Flash, um, and and uh, like I think he said he had Nutria in one as well. Like five things in like a a dubbing loop that's like hanging off a hook that he they'll put on to just yeah, you know, and to, and placed at different spots in the in the brush to land in the loop spot. On the hook, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you see what I mean. I mean, I, like you know, I mean, like I, I'm just trying to differentiate between 
dubbing loop, like setting up a dubbing loop off your off your hook with a bit of thread, and as opposed to buying a brush from Beast Brushes or something like that, you know? Oh, convenient as. Oh well, I just don't think it's possible. I don't, I'm not sure. I don't think that those materials would would play the game as well. Uh, done up in wire as they would be twisted up in a bit of flat wax nylon, you know. Yeah, I think I think it has been done, but yeah, again, you you don't know what oh it has the been, durability is, it? is like, and yeah, it yeah. There's a company in in Canada called Fairflies, and they um their whole their whole shtick is that um they you know fair like a like it's, it's long to do with fair trade. They get some uh, like uh, these people in Nepal. So they get to make their villages. They make a lot of money off them, and um, you know the money goes back to the village and, and all sorts of stuff. And it's quite a good concept what he's got. But um, they're all composite loop flies, brushes rather, um, or composite loop influence brushes, I should say. Uh, I'm yeah. sure they're really. I've never seen one in person, but I believe they're like an Australian price. They're like twenty five dollars for one brush, not a yeah, packet well. brush, one brush. You know, one thirty centimeter length, and and. And I believe that for the people that construct composite loops for things like intruders or, or, or what have you, that's good value. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you're only using, you know, what, an inch and a half per fly. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. But, um, you know, I guess sourcing all those materials and having them all there, the convenience of having not only that it's been constructed for you, but access to that variety of materials. Otherwise, you know, you could buy three brushes of three different types of Lady Amherst or that have got four different types of rubber in them. If you went and bought all those packs retail, even if you're a, a spotlight bro staffer, you know, <laughs> it's still going <laughs> to, it's still going to cost you a bit of coin, you know, compared to what's going on there. In in addition to you valuing your labor. And learning it too, mate. Yeah. Yep. Getting proportions correct. Exactly. All that sort of stuff. So yeah, no, mate. Um, yeah, so as far as the new, we drift off a tangent there, because I will go back and say that I was going to mention Tim Borsky in relation to that um, Fukushima crab because it was um, it was heavily influenced by the Tim Borsky's Chernobyl crab, which was a, a very 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 popular um, redfish fly uh, and bonefish fly, I believe, at certain sizes. Um, and um, there was something else I was going to go about. Oh, the natural materials in regards to the night. We drifted off on a bit of a tangent, but I think we covered that stuff quite well, Andy. What do you think? Sweet. I'm happy, mate. Are you are you getting out of here? Is that what you're saying? Oh, geez, sorry. Were we wrapping up or <laughs> No, oh, we can. We actually we probably should. This doesn't need to be a full length thing. Um well, I hope you enjoyed yourself, Andy. It's good, mate. It's good. Yeah. I hope we uh hope some people can get something out of it. Yep. Uh and mate, who would you like to nominate? Maybe you should do that. Maybe we should ask you who you want to have on the podcast next. Oh geez, don't put me on the spot or anything. <laughs> I reckon Nick could be Nick could be great. Nick Stewart, yeah, for sure. Yeah, righto. Well, I'll reach out to Nick, um, and hopefully that he's uh, he's not being plagued by anyone putting um, dog excrement under his door handles anymore. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> poor Nick. Uh, uh, yeah, and we'll uh, we'll have a chat for sure. Beautiful. All right. Thanks, Andy. I appreciate you uh, coming on for this experiment, and uh, I look forward to more shows, and I hope you like them, mate. No worries. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. We'll be back whenever. No set date or don't even have a name for it, so let's just call it the, uh, the intermediate vice. How's that?
Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, that's right. actually a good name. The intermediate vice. Yeah. All right. See you guys. See you.